Good evening, everyone. I hope you had a very, very lovely long weekend. And here we are back on Monday with another show of My Life in a Suitcase. And I'm your host, Manisha. Today in the studio, we have with us a very amazing, talented, highly educated, a very, very awesome, powerful woman, uh, Dr. Siobhan Lucy. Hi, Siobhan. Welcome to the show. Hi, Manisha. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming. I mean, it's it's um, uh, it's it's um, it's 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 a privilege and it's an honor for us that you have accepted to come on our show uh, today. Our show is going to be a little bit different. Normally, we talk about a lot of problems and a lot of um, uh, uh, things related to um, uh, asylum seekers and refugees and all. But today we will be uh, talking about a different type of problem that is related to dental health and dentistry uh, because that is the world from where Siobhan is from. So Siobhan, why don't you introduce yourself to us? Well, thanks, Manisha. Uh, So I am a consultant and senior lecturer in paediatric dentistry and I work in the Cork University Dental School and Hospital, um, which is nearby here in Wilton, just next to CUH, the main hospital in Cork. my uh, my journey to here uh, started also in Cork. I was a dental student um, in UCC. Okay. Very much enjoyed my my five years in dental school. Um, Cork was a really nice place to um, be in university. Um, I then travelled to Edinburgh in Scotland, and a lot of my class actually went to Scotland. I think after five long years of training. We wanted to see a little bit more of the world. So yeah. we went to Edinburgh, a, a lovely group of us, and we had um, a lovely introduction to the world of dentistry. Um, Scotland has a great health system. Um, they have a lot of health problems too, but they have a really good public health system. So it's a very good place to work as a clinician. Um, I um, began to more and more appreciate how much I enjoyed working with children within my practice. So it was in Scotland that I started to move a little bit more towards the paediatric dental side of things. And I did some additional training uh, for three years in paediatric dentistry in Edinburgh. Um, I then came back to Ireland and worked in practice in Dublin. Um, At this stage, I had had a little boy, uh, Daniel. So he was a baby when we moved back uh, to Dublin. And I spent two years in Dublin working in a lovely practice there and gradually started to make my way back home to Cork to um, to where I had come from, back to my family. Um, and I was fortunate enough to work in a, a lovely practice here in Cork as well for some time. Um, and then a position became available in the dental hospital. So I started to move into academia uh, hmm. at that point. So it's been a very varied journey. Um, I've continued to work and to study along the way, continuing with training and exams um, and, you know, always changing and evolving. Um, I'm really enjoying at the moment um, building up some more research background and building up my research profile. So that's been uh, another uh, challenge to take on, but really interesting. Um, I'm very much involved in the education of dental students in my current role now, in addition to the clinical practice side of things. Um, So very interesting and challenging uh, job all around and and here at home I am in Cork I enjoy being here I'm near my family and my friends um, so you know I, I really must say I'm very grateful for where I am. 
Yeah, definitely. And I mean, we are very honored to have you on the show today because you are a very good role model to our students and UCC, to the listeners who are listening and who haven't chosen, uh, who, who are not in the in the working part of the world yet and they're still studying um, because um, you're all rounder woman, you know, like you are very... Um, uh, you are very active and 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 you are very um, successful in your career. At the same time, you are um, you are a very good mother, and I've I've seen your children, and they're amazing and and uh, balls of energy and happiness, and that shows you know that uh, that how much love and care has been you has 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 been used you know in 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 bringing them up. So um, that is that's a that's a very um, that's I think that's a very positive image of a woman in today's world. So um, just you know just I'm curious. Um, how does it feel? Like, what's what's your feeling when now you enter the doors of UCC as as a lecturer and and as somebody who's involved in research? Um, and also, by the way, um, uh, Shawan is also very active with with women's women's network that we will be talking about it as well. How do you feel? Like now you're not a student anymore, but when you enter these gates, what are your feelings now? Uh, that's uh, such a, a lovely question. I must. Um try to give as full an answer as I can I think the first thing that comes to mind is pride um I I think it's um it, it, I, I do feel that sense of achievement um and I think it's important that I acknowledge that and that you know we are all proud of where we have have come from um I I feel that I'm bringing as well a little bit more life experience so compared to when I was a student um my my world my world view wasn't uh, as broad, but university helps to create that um, broadening of world views. Um, so I, I suppose I feel that I'm bringing something back now um, mm. to my students. Um, it's it's very, it's it's really in this the role that I'm in. It's it's great to be able to take opportunities to become involved with other people in the university. Um, and you mentioned the. <coughs> Manoa at UCC Women's Network, which is a great example um, of of something that has has really grown and flourished. Um, so a group of um, colleagues and I did the Advanced HE Aurora program, a leadership program for women, several years ago, and our group from UCC subsequently formed the uh, Manoa at UCC Women's wow. Network, and I, I cannot take at all full um uh you know a responsibility for that because it was um actually a colleague another Siobhan Lucy who is in the department of economics who was one of the lead players um in that in that development and she continues to to lead the the group today but I'm involved I'm in the on the committee as deputy chair um currently for the academic side of staff um to me um that's just a really wonderful way of becoming um, involved in um, the world outside of dentistry. And I think that, that again, is just speaking to that um, broadening of our worldviews and making sure that we're keeping our mind open to new experiences. And a big part for me, I feel, is help that I can give um, to colleagues when we, we had our open day in September meeting new researchers, um, people who are new to the university and able to say that we have a network for women here in the university to give you some opportunities, to support you, to come together, to talk, 
to raise awareness of women's issues. Um, so that's been that's really fantastic to be involved in that group as well. Um, so I think I have touched on some of the main feelings that I have. I really feel a sense of home as well, actually. I'd like to, to finish maybe on that point. Um, it's a familiar feeling. I feel that University College Cork is um, a very homely campus. Um, it's very inviting and welcoming. Um, I feel the gates are open, doors are open, people are friendly. So I'm very fortunate to be a part of that as well. Wow, that's really amazing. And I totally understand what you're saying because that is a great feeling, you know, that feeling of pride, definitely. So we will continue talking, um, we will continue this discussion with Siobhan. And while we are doing that, we will listen to some of the uh, lovely song and music that Siobhan likes and she has chosen for us. So let's continue that. You may call it in this evening, but you've only lost the night. Preset all your pretty feelings, may they comfort you tonight. And I'm climbing over something, and I'm running through these walls. I don't even know if I believe. I don't even know if I believe. I don't even know if I believe everything you're trying to say to me.
Welcome back. So we are here um, uh, in the studio of UCC 90, uh, Radio UCC 98.3 FM. Uh, in your favorite show, My Life in a Suitcase, I assume that should be your favorite show by now, with your host Manisha, and we have Dr. Shivan Lucy with us here. So, Shivan, moving forward, talking about your research, and I've seen it's 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 really it's a vast field of research, and and there are a lot of very important topics that we really need, you know, these days, especially. Um, there is uh, one 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 topic of, of your research is about gaps in dental studies. So just for our listeners to so that they know what is gaps in dental studies and why is it important to research it? Well, the, thank you very much, Manisha. And the area of um, uh, education that I am looking at with respect to dental education is regarding yeah. learning spaces. And here in UCC, um, there are several people who have um, been doing great work in learning spaces and we're looking across here at this wonderful new learning space the student hub here in UCC um, I think the the gap that exists is that I don't think that as yet we have explored the impact of the learning space on dental students and certainly the world is um, thinking about that a lot more with respect to health professionals, education. Um, so if we compared, for example, or thought about um, what would be a typical learning space for a dental student, when we we're practicing dentistry, we would work in a clinical environment. Um, we would have dental <coughs> chairs, equipment, um, a dental team with us. And students are a part of that. Um, but a different learning space could be a primary healthcare centre in a community, um, perhaps in the city or in a more rural environment, um, not related to a university, not related to a hospital. So oh. how can that impact on the students and how they learn about the practice of dentistry and the practice of oral health? Can it make them feel more connected to the community? Can it make them feel more connected to other healthcare professionals working in the community? Um, and that's where I think that the gap in that area exists yeah. in terms of dental education. So that's what I'm looking at in my research uh, at the moment. Um, I have I, I'm just at the moment conducting a scoping review of the literature in that area, and um, I'm really excited by it. It does look as if it's um, a, a, that there is a, a gap there in our knowledge around the impact on dental students yeah definitely definitely that that is so true also there is like mm, dentistry has always been a field that many people um don't have enough knowledge about it you know there's always been this mystery and this fear of dentists and uh, maybe the fear or the mystery is because um, there isn't a lot of contact as you said you know like of dental students should be in contact with the community and uh, when this is not happening it's always it's always been just like studies and it's all like I mean the education has always been inside the classroom and then inside the uh, labs and then in the hospital and then that's it and there is no there's a very few connection between communities so yeah yeah I think that's that's it exactly and I, I know you'll know from your own background as a dental educator as well Manisha that um, what you have described is a really typical pathway for dental students um, a, a part of it is necessary because you need such specialized equipment yeah. and you need to provide care for children and adults in a safe clinical space 
But just here in UCC, for example, the dental school is um, not on the campus. And so that automatically can create a physical distance between us. Um, I think that in general, speaking more broadly, not just in dental education, um, for some reason, the, the mouth has become somewhat divorced from the rest of the, the body in terms of health care. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we know from our, our medical colleagues that the um, the impact of oral health, it's not um, it's not a huge part of their curriculum. So one of the things that we would like to do um, in this um, arena in the future would be to explore opportunities for interprofessional education with our colleagues in medicine, in nursing, in midwifery, because if we think about it from the point of view of antenatal care, we could really start then with our oral health care interventions and advice and do that in an anticipatory way rather than waiting for problems to arise. So all of our healthcare colleagues, it would be great if our education and curricula were more aligned and we certainly those opportunities are coming more and more um, to us at the moment. Um, We have an initiative in third year where the the dental students do um, some work with the pharmacy students and they work on a case and they come together, they each bring their knowledge um, and that's a a very practical thing because certainly um, drugs are going to be a part of dentistry and dental care and people will go to the pharmacists for their prescriptions so it's a very relevant overlap that's there. But we would really like to um, bring uh, the mouth back into the body yeah. <laughs> and make sure that people have got that um, feeling that taking care of their oral health will be good for them and for their general health and for their well-being as well. Definitely. And yeah, this will also broaden the knowledge of other other communities, other people related to to the mouth and, and, and to the about dental community as well. That is so true. Uh, because in, in many um in, in many uh, instances I've seen that um um all around the world dental students have more knowledge about the body than the other doctors or other professions have about the mouth. So, as you said, we need to bring them out as part of the body and maybe out there so everybody, you know, have more information about it. That's, that, that's very true. So what are your hopes uh, um, of this outcome of this um, research? Well, um, one of the things is that I would like to um, have, I would like to provide our dental students with an opportunity to um have part of their education or training in a different setting that that isn't um, only related to the dental hospital. So there are some um, spaces that we can potentially go to, for example, schools or primary health care centres, working with our um, colleagues, perhaps in general practice or in public health nursing (coughs) in order to um, provide an experience with um, the uh, combination of dentistry or oral health with general health. Um, we have our colleagues in the public dental service as well in the HSC here in Cork, who have been um, who are currently involved in providing some increased experience for our third year dental students um, in several clinics. Um, so these little um, initiatives, I think, are the start of something whereby 
um, dental education may not be, ex- you know, it does not have to be exclusively provided in the dental yeah. hospital. And I would like to see, well, what's the benefit mm. of going elsewhere? And importantly, I really want to involve the students. Mm. So I don't, I, I don't, my main hope is that um, I will do a, a project which involves students from the start. So they will be involved in the design find out what matters to them about the learning space. Um, perhaps they would prefer to stay in the dental hospital. Um, and I would like to make sure that I am thinking about this in an, at an international level as well and thinking about, I mean, we're here in Cork in Ireland, um, but certainly um, we have to think globally now and think I would like yeah. my, my research to uh, be shared globally. Um, I would like to make sure that I can use the work from of, of others from other countries and we can perhaps work together um, it would be wonderful to collaborate with people from other institutions um, and I'm enjoying I'm very much enjoying the process of building up my research skills and they're very transferable skills I've already seen how I can help support um, some of the junior staff in our department in terms of their research aspirations because of the work that I've been doing, even though it's in different areas. Um, so helping others and sharing uh, my research and designing a project with students would be my main hopes. That, that, that's, I think that those seems like amazing goals and objectives. And I'm, and I'm hope that you reach to these outcomes because it's a really, really important, especially um, you spoke about, you know, that you want to uh, have this reach globally and it's very important because um, UCC at the moment has um, a huge number of international students and also once these students are uh, graduated many of them will work globally in different countries so that is very important so um, normally I've seen uh, many of the dentists like almost all of the dentists they fear working with children because you know you know very well working in in pediatric dentistry is that is is one of the most difficult fields uh, because of the of the fear of the dentist that children have and um that um, it's it's a very small area to work with it's very difficult to um, deal with a child emotionally and physically you know as as a dentist um and um, there are uh, like you have to take you have to be careful about so many different aspects that, that of treating them that normally we don't have to uh, care about them when we are treating adults. So how did you uh, decide to come and choose this difficult field of dentistry, you know? Well, I clearly remember when we started treating children. It was in fourth year in dental school. And I found that, you know, for my part, the pediatric dental session once per week was the session that I looked forward to the most. Um, when I think back on that time now it's because I had the most fun and whilst you we have to um, be proactive in making the experience for children as positive as possible to me that was the part that was most enjoyable and we do the best dentistry that we can in the moment Um, sometimes we have to be we have to adapt our plans and I think one of the key things that pediatric dentists are good at doing is being flexible. So if plan A doesn't work, we're moving on to plan B, C or D, sometimes in the space of 20 minutes. Um, so that sort of level of um, 
challenge in terms of the behaviour management side of things for children. I just found that to be the most enjoyable. And I started to do little things like um, thinking about music for some of the child patients I was treating. And um, we would bring in, the child could bring in something to listen to. Or there was another child who their language, I think, was maybe Polish. And I just learned some phrases in Polish Um, just little things just kind of fun things and I just really I I got the most enjoyment out of that so for me then it was actually it was such an easy it wasn't even a choice I just knew that that's what I enjoyed Um, I have always enjoyed working with children anyway Um, I I feel that um, it's you have to be as best you can you have to be light-hearted you have to be fun um, and we do our very best to make sure that what children have is a positive experience. Um, I mean, thinking broadly about how to address the issue with children and their their oral health, it has to be in prevention, I think. Um, So we know that there are effective ways of preventing dental disease. Um, And uh, in in a good way, a lot of the things that we recommend are the same as that which our colleagues in general health will recommend in terms of having a nutritious diet, um, in terms of following good weaning advice. Um, we want people to attend for some checkups from quite an early age, if possible. Um, in the future, in Ireland, um, we have a new national oral health policy, which will uh, hopefully be implemented and will provide uh, oral health care checks for children from birth so it will be instead of waiting until a problem happens that children can come early start building a good re- relationship and rapport with the dentist and the whole dental team and it's not just the dentist who's involved there it will be the dental nurse um, the dental receptionist from the moment when children are first even their parents or guardians are planning on bringing them to the dentist um, we want to send positive oral health messages, making sure that people are, um, I suppose we're trying to make it um, a part of their life, but make it an enjoyable part of their life as well. Um, we want to make sure people are brushing their teeth, uh, uh, hopefully by parent or guardian, uh, with toothpaste from the age of two. And I think if we are able to um, promote these messages in a universal way um, with all of our colleagues um, in healthcare, then I, I think that, that the future will be brighter for children and their oral health. Definitely, definitely. And in, and I, I understand two things. First, the child patient is the most important patient because it's very difficult to keep them happy and, and work with them. And if a child has a good oral health, then that oral health will continue those habits that are built, that oral health that they have, it will continue throughout their life. So it's very, very important. Secondly, I understand this. Um, a, a dentist who is in pediatric dentistry is is the kindest, most tolerant, and very innovative of all. You know, and so so that means you and that means you are a very kind and a very fun loving person, and also mm, you have lots of patience and it's it's very very important because every job has some demands and to be honest I've seen your children and they are so happy and so adventurous and you know like and I, I can see I can see these qualities in them so that that's really amazing well, thank you Manisha that's very kind of you um, indeed to say 
um, I I sometimes try to remind myself um, about the impact that I can have. And I say that to myself sometimes about trying to make sure that I am having a positive impact on the child or the people that I meet in the day. It doesn't always happen. We, we're, I, nobody is, is perfect, um, of course. And there are moments that I wish I could do things differently. But I really try to make sure that when children come, that they leave feeling positive. I feel that they don't, it doesn't have to be a complete, um, you know, examination. Um, We don't have to get to the end. But if children can just make sure, if we can help them to do one thing and then allow them to, uh, for us to focus on it and say, you achieved this today. And that's brilliant so that they can leave with a sense of achievement and we can just build on that at future appointments. So I want them to leave feeling like that was good. I was happy there. I did things well and I want to go back. I'm happy to go back. I think that's so important. So that's that's what I try at a very simple level. That's what I try to do to make sure that I have a, a positive impact on the child, their family and people around me. Um, and if we just do that in little bits during the day, then I think it builds up and we make uh, progress with children. Definitely. And, and it's it's a very important experience because phobia, of, like many of the adults that we meet who have phobia of dentists, it's because when they were children um, and it was maybe their first or second visit to the dentist, it was not a very good experience and that fear stays with them all their lives. So um, whatever um, experience children have at the young age, it will have a deep impact on them in their future decisions and future lives. It's very important. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And um, people will speak about these adverse experiences that they had as children. Um, and we, we know as well that um, particularly from mums, when maternal anxiety is present, that that can have an impact strongly on children as well. So your family environment. So if we can imagine a situation where at a, at a, a societal level or um, at a cultural level, oral health is not valued or perhaps it's not possible to achieve good oral health, that can lend itself to these adverse experiences because children may present when they have a problem. Mm-hmm. And that's when the difficulty arises because we do, of course, want to try to alleviate pain, remove discomfort where we can. um, And it depends on where we work in the world or what services are available. Sometimes we don't have access to treatment with sedation or under general anesthesia to help some children. Um, But certainly in our, we we know and we do our best um, to make sure that um, these early experiences are not negative for children. Definitely. Um, and you are absolutely correct. These will stay with people for life. Um, so it would be much, much, much cheaper and more effective to prevent dental anxiety rather than to let it, or rather than be a part of it starting. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So we will continue talking with um, with. Uh, continue talking with Dr. Siobhan and while we are doing and and while we do that we take a short break and you guys can listen to this lovely song One reminds the other of a past A life lived much too fast to hold on to How am I losing you A broken house 
Welcome back. <laughs> so me and Shawan, we kept, uh, we continue talking about dentistry related to children and all. So um, this brought me, um, brought us to the to the topic of, you know, uh, we talked about women and anxiety and, you know, like oral health. Um, in this show, Shawan, we talk a lot about um, refugees and asylum seekers and the problems they face. And, and one like one of the biggest problems that people who have who don't have like normal lives or who face a lot of difficulties in their lives on daily basis or who who live under stress for a chronic period of time is um uh is oral health you know like i mean 
um, uh, I've, I've, I have read, I've seen, I've met somebody, maybe sometimes I've experienced myself. If, if it is like, if it's a week or so and you don't feel good, you wouldn't like to take a bath or, you know, um, wouldn't like to brush your teeth and things like that. And so it seems like it does affect people. And, um, I've met uh, many people who are refugees or asylum seekers and um, all of them complain of toothache, of uh, problems with their gums and, you know, they, they don't feel very good about their mouth. So um, what do you think about this? Um, I would, I think it must be entirely, um, it is entirely understandable that when people are in difficult circumstances that their self-care is not going to be at its best. Um, there are obviously practical reasons why that might happen. Um, not having access maybe to clean water, um, not having access to toothpaste, to a toothbrush, um, not having access to the best food and getting by on what's available. Um, so in some sense, there is a pra- there are practical barriers there. But from a psychological aspect, what you've described is it's so understandable when 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 we're not in a good place we're not we're not inclined to look after ourselves um i i suppose because um the the m- mouth perhaps people can can hide to some degree perhaps if they're maybe they're not um out and about or maybe they're just a little bit isolated and perhaps it's not as as visible or as easy to spot things it's inside we can't see it ourselves of course unless you have a mirror in front of you you're not going to be able to see um so that there's probably something in that um it's 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 um you know from a child's perspective um which would be my area we, we know that children who are um in difficult situation whether it's because of um being an asylum seeker or perhaps they have a chaotic home lifestyle. Huh? We know that those children are more vulnerable to Definitely, dental yeah. disease and to oral health problems. Um, I think as well, when our bodies are going through stress, um, we're going to have there's going to be an impact on the mouth as well. And sometimes we say that the mouth is like a window to the body, uh, yeah. don't we? You know, when things become um, uh, difficult for us, perhaps we'll get something like mouth ulcers or perhaps our gums won't be in the best condition. So it's like a little sign, your body telling you that something's not quite right here. I need a little bit more looking after um, and how to access, how, how to change that and how to access that. Um, that's not how to access that care. That's not an, an easy question to answer. I think when we think about care for people who are um, perhaps in you, you know, some, some camps and things like that. I can imagine they need warmth and shelter. When we think about health care, they might need access and wish to have access to emergency oral health care. But it must be very difficult to um, suggest having a daily routine of brushing twice a day mm. um, with good toothpaste and uh, not having as much or avoiding sugar-containing drinks. I think that seems like out of context almost. Mm-hmm. Um uh, perhaps you have some insights more into how it can be uh, changed for people or what strategies there could be for helping to improve people's oral health in that situation or what would you suggest? Um, like for example people who live in provision centres or I mean 
when 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 people are in camps, like for example in in Greece or some other parts of the world, uh, where there are people in camps. Thankfully, in Ireland, still still people don't live in camps. They are in, in provision centers if they're asylum seekers. So they all have um, they all have the facilities to use. They have they have facilities of water. They have facilities of toilet, and that's like a big blessing. I mean, I do understand that sometimes uh, we do speak that provision centers are not uh, are not as good as we want them to be. But still, still they are better than camps. That's a good thing, you know. Um, and in situations like that, especially for children, it's very difficult because when parents are not in a good place, even if they live at home, even if they are rich, if they have a good lifestyle, but if the parent is not in a good place, state of mind, they won't take care of themselves. So they won't be able to take care of the child as well, you know. So um, so in situation like this, I think the most important thing is the, the help that they are getting. Maybe... Um, Uh, like last week, we had core counseling services here, and we talked about this, that it's very important for people to go to counseling, especially for people who are living in different, dif- difficult situations. Maybe these centers could be one of the spaces that you're talking about, about your students, you know, mm-hmm. like maybe the students uh, can go to these spaces like provision centers to uh, to create awareness rising about how to for children how to how to clean their teeth for parents as well how important it is to take care of their children because um, uh, as you know in many instances people only think about teeth when the pain is there yes right if yes. there is no pain nobody cares about teeth and it it um it is it is equal for rich or poor like sadly it's the same for them if there's pain then people are upset so maybe these provision centers you know can be one of the spaces Uh, that comes under your research and and your students can go there build up a relationship with these children teach them how to brush their teeth how to take care of their mouth and maybe awareness rising for the parents as well and i think this can be a big help mm, that's really good really really good and interesting idea um i think it's it's great to have inspiration for future <laughs> work that's how i think um research blossoms isn't it yeah, in, in just in conversations with people so i really like that idea um i think that in our, it's you know in, in ireland it, it is good that we have got um uh, a little bit more structure for people who come here um mm. and perhaps we're not as overwhelmed as other parts of the world of course um greece is um adjacent to uh sites for lots of people coming from lots yeah. of different countries so we can understand that um they will have so many more people um it would be um uh, it, it would not be uh, i don't believe expensive to provide the the tools for example the toothpaste and toothbrushes yeah. for children their parents their families for everybody um because it's it's what you touched on there about making it a a whole family experience is really important um so that um we're not singling out one individual but that it's an an overall push for everybody or a inspiration for everybody um to look after their oral health and one thing we say about children is that they have less choice they're reliant on their parents or guardians um now some parents and guardians <coughs> they're not in a good place themselves or perhaps they from a financial point of view are are not in a good place perhaps they yeah. have feel they have very little choice as well but in general children are reliant on a, another person for their 
well-being and health and that's why they are the more vulnerable um, people um, problems happen quickly for children and especially young children or children with disabilities yeah. we feel that they are particularly vulnerable to dental disease so anything that we can do to help prevent dental disease would be a, a huge bonus um, so having a whole of society approaches is really it's, it's really important as well as well as going to do the individual education but if the surroundings can support people as well to maintain their oral health so for example in Ireland we have water fluoridation um, mm. so that's a, a very important public health measure um, here in Ireland and it's something that benefits the most vulnerable in society <coughs> because it doesn't involve cost it's publicly available water yeah and we we feel um strongly that um it it benefits the most vulnerable people um from the point of view of oral health definitely definitely so well um uh, let's uh, talk about a little bit out of this you know out of this field and mm, let's talk about um about this um uh, Mana Women Network, right? Am, 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 am I uh, pronouncing it well? Mana, is it Mana? Mana. So what does it yeah. mean? Like the word Mana, it's, it's, it's a new word for me. It is Irish, I guess. Yes, that's okay. an Irish word for women. Okay. Yeah. So wow. it's quite simple in one way, Mana at UCC. Um, so it's um, a network for um, all women mm-hmm. at UCC. Um, we have... Um, uh, we, we have at the moment um, a, a network for staff. Um, we don't have a, a student chapter as yet. Um, and per, that is perhaps something for future development, but for academic staff, for professional services staff and for research staff, okay. we are a, a network for women here in UCC. Um, we run workshops. We run uh, coffee mornings. Um, with the inspired concept of a teaspoon of knowledge at each of the the work at each of each of the coffee mornings, so that um, people will leave with a little nugget of knowledge. We'll have a short presentation, a couple of minutes from somebody um, with just a little skill, always with a view to um, helping women to um, be able to believe in themselves and promote themselves, and have the skills, the terminology, the language to talk oh. about themselves in, in a positive way. Um, so within our network, there are some really um, wonderful and inspirational uh, women who work here in UCC. And it's it's a great privilege to, to work with them um, and to be a part of that network. It's very good for opening up avenues for, for research. Um, we're just concluding a piece of work with the Royal College of Surgeons of Ireland and Technological University of Dublin um, looking at uh, gender equality training for student leaders. So we ran a pilot programme here in UCC called the Libra programme. It was also run in RCSI as well with some of the student leaders and we had simulated scenarios for students (coughs) to develop skills and competences related to gender equality leadership and the thinking is that we are if we if we work with student leaders they themselves will go on to become leaders in society and in probably the university in the future as well or in higher education generally so by giving 
people that training at this early stage, the thinking is that we are exp- we're going to have a ripple effect with yeah. um, uh, other uh, other people in the future as well. So we're just finishing that work, and that just came from being a part of the Mano network. So for me. Um, as a paediatric dentist, this is completely new to me. And that's okay. such a great opportunity to be a part of something different. Um, and again, speaking to that, the, the great part about university, keep making sure that we are um, taking the opportunities that are all around us to meet people <laughs> and collaborate with people. That, that sounds amazing and promising and very happy, especially about the spoon of knowledge you said. I can, I can, I just, I just keep imagining, you know, the smell of cop- coffee <laughs> and happy women and learning things. That's really, really amazing. So, well, we'll continue after this song and we will continue talking to Siobhan. It's, it's been, a, it's, it's really, really lovely. I, I hope, Siobhan, you are having as much lovely time as, as I'm having. I'm having such a lovely time, Anisha, <laughs> of course. That's amazing.
Welcome back. You're listening to My Life in a Suitcase with Siobhan and Manisha. And we are going towards the last question of the day. Well, Siobhan, as a working woman and such a powerhouse and very active person and very positive, how do you keep the balance between your life as a mother and a wife and, and between your career and keep that physical and mental balance? Um, well, Manisha, I think that um, I can say that I try. I don't always think that I succeed in one way or the other way. And I don't always think that the balance is absolutely right. But I keep trying. Um, it's important for me that there is uh, home time, that there is distinction between home and work time. And for me personally, uh, working from home full time, I would find that potentially a little difficult. I like having that different space that helps me to make a distinction between um, and to help create that balance. Um, and hybrid working is good for other reasons. Um, but I think a, a mixture is probably for, for me personally, the, yeah. the best. Um, so having a, a little bit of, of both. Um, it's helpful to have a supportive organization that um, to work for and UCC is that organization so we were just chatting um, in between there about the <laughs> Athena Swan Charter mm -hmm. and that sort of movement and initiative I think is really having um, benefits for uh, I mean gender is one aspect and for, for working women that is one aspect but Athena Swan is about much more and it's about inclusivity much more broadly so we are supporting people for whatever reason who might not fit into the conventional uh, nine to five Monday yeah. to Friday or whatever working week happens to be in your organization. So I think within um, a supportive organization like UCC, that's that's helpful as well. Um, I think it's really uh, for me very important to have a family network and to have the backup of and support of my, my family. So um, my husband in particular, Scott, um, who um, works from home, he's um, currently just completed um, some extra training, um, uh, some personal training uh, course uh, uh, here in the Maradike. Um, but for the most part, he has been the backbone of our family for many years now um, and has supported me um, to um, proceed through exams extra studies and work hasn't always been nine to five Monday to Friday so he continues to be that support that um, we need and he is a wonderful father to our children and I know that they have got such a lovely home life because he is there and um, so he is from Scotland the only thing that um, he doesn't do with homework is the Irish homework so yeah. I do the <laughs> Irish homework um, as best I can um, with with um, our children so that's that's where we that's where the team effort comes in again just as a little example um, and then at the weekends and in evenings I really try to be present with our children and I, I don't I, I, I do my very best not to, to work in those times um, and that's that's really important so it's it's an ongoing um, uh, effort I, I really need to try at it because if I, I could let it slip and go too heavily into one side or the other so I have to keep trying 
Um, that's amazing. And today, um, you coming here, Siobhan, was really amazing because I think me and also our listeners have have learned a lot. We have learned hope and positivity and this feeling that we should continue, you know, despite all the all all the small problems here and there. And also we got a lot of awareness about how to keep our teeth clean, especially the importance for children. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. Well, Manisha, thank you so much for having me. Um, as I'm sure your listeners know, you are an inspiration. And I would like to reflect um, back to you um, how much I have gained from knowing you. So thank you. <laughs> You're very kind. Thank you so much. So guys, uh, we had Siobhan with us today and it was really, really amazing. So we'll finish on this note that it's, it's a small, very small poem. Is it so small a thing to have enjoyed the sun, to have lived light in the spring? to have loved, to have thought, to have done. So that's what actually Siobhan has done in her life, and it's all amazing, and it's not small at all. So um, uh, we'll meet each other again next Monday, same time, same place, with another lovely guest, and um, we'll, we'll talk to you next week. Have a good good week. Bye.